0: But we come here week in and week out and we hear the instruction of God's counsel through the word. And we actually do a a, a Lord's communion, a Lord's Supper every month, once a month. But I think that we need to dive just a little bit deeper into the Lord's Supper because it should impact our lives. The Lord's Supper shouldn't just be uh, the time that you come and you take it here once a month and it just stops there. So today is my opportunity to provide some context around that, but to to also draw out and to to make some application unto what God has said in his word about the Lord's Supper. So before I begin, let let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we come before you, Father, humbly, and I come before you as humbly as I can, dear God, understanding that humility is born out of a I've seen that I need you in every person in here. And so, Lord, I ask that you speak through me, Father, and that your name would receive honor and glory. And that, God, you would be exalted and that we would come as a people to, to love you more, to be excited about the communion table more and all of what it entails and how it impacts us, God, because we want to glorify you. We want to honor you with our lives, dear God. So prepare our, our, our minds this morning as we, as we hear your word be preached. And Father, continue to do your sanctifying work through us. And we ask it all now through Christ's name. Amen. So I'm going to jump right in. Um, I'm going to have you turn, to your, turn your Bibles to the scripture in, in Luke, Luke 22. And the title of this, and I, I'll try not to forget to tell you where to go, because you know how that is. You're like, Luke 22, where? Luke 22, and we're going to start at verse 7, I believe. Let's, let's make sure I'm right on this here. Um, yes, Luke 22, 7. If I could title this sermon this morning, it would be titled, The Lord's Supper, and it is titled this, The Lord's Supper and Its Effect on the Church. How does the Lord's Supper affect you and I on a regular basis that's the question that I endeavor to answer this morning it's the Lord's supper that we take and and what does it do for us and to us so let's start out our reading beginning in Luke 22 and 7 and it says this and I'm reading from the ESV so the other elders they don't approve but uh hey I just have them have them work that out with the Lord I'm messing with you man Okay, it says this. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepared there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. They had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me. Is with me on the table. For the son of man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. So the focus of our teaching today and preaching will be in verses 14 through 20. But I wanted to read that to gain some further context around this Lord's teaching. And so I want to ask us this. How many of us enjoy a good celebration? Raise your hand. Okay, All right. All right. The the other half don't like to party. Um, You know, you can still celebrate in the Lord. Right. Okay, Just because God has saved you doesn't mean you stop dancing right? You just you just dance a little different. Uh-huh. You haven't heard that one before. I see some of you guys need to dance some more in Christ. So all of us, right? I mean, we, we, we enjoy a good celebration. Uh, celebrations are times in which we gather together to partake in certain milestones like we did with baby grace. We're celebrating that, right? Um, first birthdays, older birthdays, we do it all. We Marriage anniversaries, my wife and I, we did that. Um, Americans love to celebrate. I, I think you guys would agree. I mean, oftentimes we create opportunities for celebrating. But tell the truth, we do, right? I mean, we throw parties when we get a new job. I guess that's okay. House um, housewarming parties, you name it, we do it. We celebrate, right? Today we're going to celebrate and understand what we call the Lord's Supper, and also partake and enjoy the baptism, as I shared, of several of our members here at EGBC. So that's the context of what we're going to be celebrating. So I want us this morning to see the Savior and enjoy what he's done through this most joyous event. This most joyous event. This, it's interesting, though, aspect of the Lord's Supper, however, is that this celebration is also filled with pain and triumph. Most celebrations aren't like that. They're they're just filled with the festivities, right? But this particular celebration is filled with pain and triumph. Jesus says your joy and my joy cost him his life. That's the type of celebrating we're talking about, which is the antithesis or the opposite of what we normally would think a celebration should be about. This aspect of the Lord's Supper in our celebration church brings a seriousness to the party, if you will. It brings real purpose to why we celebrate. See, sometimes we get lost in the minutia of celebrating and we forget why we're there. We're just having such a good time doing all that we do, and that's okay. But when we're talking about the Lord's table and what he's done for us, it should bring a seriousness and a soberness along with A celebratory mindset. I think that's what God wants us to be. Mature Christians where we see things balanced. So I'm going to endeavor to answer this question. How should the Lord's Supper impact your life and mine on a regular basis? And I have four points. That's the first question. How should the Lord's Supper impact our lives on a regular basis? The first point is this, or the heading of the first point. The Lord's Supper creates a longing to continued fellowship with him. The Lord's Supper creates a longing to continued fellowship with him. Listen to his words there in Luke 22 and 15. He says, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Hmm, I have earnestly desired, the word desire in this context means that it is the Lord's good pleasure. He finds the situation to be good that he is to dine with them to eat the pas- Passover before he suffers. It's an incredible statement, church. Jesus says, my will is not that I avoid the imminent death that is soon to occur. Hmm. Jesus says, I have a longing to eat and dine with you because the Passover meal represents something more than just food. It's far more significant than that, church. The Passover is a foreshadow of the Lord's Supper that we see way back in Exodus 12, 1 through 28. Now, I won't take us through all of that. The Passover shows us what was to come by the way of the Lord's Supper. It's beautiful when you start connecting the tapestry, if you will, of the Scripture and you see how consistent God is. That we can look at the Old Testament and say, oh, no, the Old Testament is for you too. Not just the New. It's, God is complete. So read your Bible as such. I'm even learning that as I learn how to be a pastor and continue to learn how to be a Christian, looking at my Bible in the proper context that the sweep and theme of it is about Jesus Christ. And so... That's how we should be reading our Bible. So that's that first point. The Lord's Supper creates a longing to continued fellowship with him. Remember, church, how God gave instructions to Moses and Aaron concerning the Passover. You guys remember that? And I'll take you there in just a second. The Lord told the people of Israel that he would pass over every home and that any home that didn't have the prescribed blood on the doorpost and on the lentil of the houses in which they were to eat, the firstborn in that home would die. Um, This was the last plague found in chapter 11, but it was carried out in chapter 12, verse 29. So I'm going to go to Exodus 12. You can go there if you want or just listen just to get some further context here. Exodus 12, verse 21 through 24. And it reads as such. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, To enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. Then skip right over to verse uh, 29. Hear what happens. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. And all the firstborn of the livestock. Hmm. What's the picture here? The picture for us is that God sent his son Jesus who has shed his blood and all those who turn for their sins and believe in Christ, his blood covers their sins. That's the picture for the the New Testament believer. Jesus is teaching his disciples several things at this very moment, church, that they will need to exercise faith to do the work after he is gone. They'll need to exercise that. Jesus is teaching us that by faith, the Passover is made available at all times. Why do I say faith? Because Hebrews eleven twenty eight says this, church. Moses, by faith, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn, we just read it, might not touch them. By faith, we have come into communion, you and I, church, with God Through his son, the spotless lamb of God, who is the perfect Passover. He is the perfect Passover. This should create a longing for continued fellowship. The Lord's Supper will impact how we interact with Jesus on a regular basis. When you start seeing the context of what I just read, that should create that longing, that intimacy that he has, what, passed over your sins, that he's forgiven you. This creates a longing to just be with Jesus Christ on your knees in your times of quietness and prayer, reading the Bible, communing with God wherever you're at. That's what should happen through the Lord's Supper. We don't come just to take it once a month and just to say, "Okay, man, I've taken this bread. I've done my due diligence here. No, this this should manifest itself out in your walk with Jesus each and every day. This is the beauty of this portion of the God. And it's so sweet. It's so sweet. I, I, I want you guys to go home and read just those few verses and see how loving Jesus is. When you, when you start looking at this, this can bring you to tears how he loves his, his disciples and he loves you right before he suffers. The heart of God, the character of God is, is on display, if you will. Um, so that's the first point there. That right there should create a longing. It should create a longing. Point number two the Lord's Supper helps us see the heart of our Savior regarding his suffering, and in turn, it provides us with strength to endure. I'll say that again. Point number two the Lord's Supper helps us see the heart of our Savior regarding his suffering, and in, in turn, it provides us with strength to endure okay what do I mean by that go back to Luke twenty-two 15 let's read it again and he said to them I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer what's going on here Jesus is praying or he's preparing the disciples and he is letting them know I'm heading to the father but I must suffer And in that very statement, church, there is both comfort and sorrow in the words of Jesus, wouldn't you say? There's both comfort and sorrow in the words of Jesus when he says, before I must suffer. The the comfort, though, for us saints is in knowing that we have the Savior who has suffered for us so that our sins, past, present and future, are forgiven for all eternity. That's That's the comfort there. There's also comfort in knowing that because he suffered so greatly, you and I can endure whatever he allows us to go through. Do you see that he's sitting here with his disciples and he says that? He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want to explain something to you, disciple and, and, and church member, that I'm going to the cross and I want you to be comforted because I'm going to do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. I want you to be comforted by that. So what I'm seeing here in in the Lord's table is not just a taking of bread, but a demonstration and outworking of what it will do in our lives. I'm seeing right here that God is providing a a great comfort here. And and I'm like, wow, well, what does that comfort look like? What does that comfort look like, Lord? I see you suffering. How, How is that comforting? Turn to 2 Corinthians. We love Jesus because he's, he's reconciled us back to the Father. And then there's, a, there's so many benefits that I can't name them all after that. 2 Corinthians 1. Let us read. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. Let us read, starting in 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of who? Of mercies, and God of who? All comfort. Who comforts us in all our affliction? That's everything that you go through, saint. So that we may be a comfort to those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by who? By God. By God. So God is doing something here. How does this comfort happen? Well, you, you, you see... Several things going on here, but we go to the word. God comforts us right there in his Bible. We go to the word. If that's not enough for you, child of God, guess what he says? I placed you in a body where we can be comforted by the saints. That's why it says in verse 4, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that who we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction? We're to come alongside one another and help one another. See, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. This is how Jesus provides the comfort. This is why we harp on being a local body who gets together and knows one another so that you can exercise what God is doing in his life to be a a shelter, a shield, a help. That's what needs to happen. That's the Lord's Supper. That's the comfort there. He says, I haven't left you by yourself. I'm suffering, but I'm going to give you help. This is amazing to me. And it should be amazing to all those who call on the name of Jesus. He doesn't leave it just like, oh, well, man, these things are just peripheral. They're just all theology. No, he says, I'm going to put feet on these things. I'm gonna, my scripture is tangible to actually help you in time of need. When I am going through great difficulty, as some of you are right now, the first thing I want you to do is go back to the word and then get with the people of God. It's just that simple. Go to the word, cry out through it, pray over it, ask God to give you a correct understanding, right? God, help me to understand what this really means according to to who you are. God, I can't understand it all. I need to get around people who understand it and they can come and help me. This is why we meet every other Wednesday. We're crying out to God for all sorts of issues. And And I love that. I love being able to, it's so good having you guys. I call my brother Phil. I'm like, man, I'm going through this or that. And he just listens with a wonderful ear. And it's wonderful. Just that listening. Have you guys had that happen to you? And you know you're good because you're calling up somebody who can get a prayer through too. They know Jesus Christ. See, I'm not calling nobody old. I'm calling somebody that I've just met. See, I've known this man now for five years. And I know he's got a relationship with Jesus. When I call Pastor Ernie, I know he's got a relationship with Jesus. So I know not only are they listening correctly, because you've got to learn how to listen correctly. If you don't know Jesus, you don't even listen correctly. We've, we've been learning in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount how to pray. So it's, it's, it's a great comfort to, to link arms with the saint because they know how to listen, then how to effectively take your issue before the Lord. And it, it be the Lord's will that he move and operate how he needs to through your situation. Still on point two. That's the comfort that we have. That's the comfort. So Christ moves through his people to accomplish this. Christ is teaching us to feast on him, child of God, through the Lord's Supper. Feast on him. This is the intimacy of the Lord's Supper that he invites you and I into. And on the flip side of that, it's the sorrow. The sorrow and I and and I thought about this. The sorrow to me is knowing that he bore the sins we deserved, and we sometimes don't honor him with obedient allegiance as we ought. We trifle sometimes the grace of God. Unfortunately, we trifling means we consider his grace of little importance. Other things take priority, unfortunately. And so that, that point number two there um, speaks to us being able to have this, this communion with God, if you will, and have this meeting with him knowing that he suffered and we're not alone. Point number three. The Lord's Supper tells us to remember him. Doesn't he say that all the time? Remember, remember. The Lord's Supper tells us to remember him. That's that's point number three, right? And I want to speak to that just a little bit. The Lord is teaching us much here. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Go to verse 19 back in Luke 22. Luke 22. Let's go back there. 22 and 19. And it reads, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, let me ask you, church, why should we remember Rhetorical question. I don't want anyone throwing back an answer. It's in here. Because we have, see, those of you who are just visitors, we have some folks here at EGBC. They'll start giving me a sermon. Like, you know why we should remember? I'm teasing y'all. Do this in remembrance of me. Why should we remember? We should remember, saints, because our faith is established and we continue to lean on God based on his promises. Why should we remember? Let me say that again. Because our faith is established and we continue to lean on God based on his promises. You're thinking, what promises? Listen to the heart and character of God as he instructs the children of Israel to remember. I'm going to go here to Deuteronomy 8. You can just listen or you can turn there. Deuteronomy 8. And I'll read a few verses starting in verse 2. He says... And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Hmm. That he might humble you, testing to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Hmm. And he humbled you and let your hunger, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God says, I carried you, child. Don't forget my grace. I've walked with you, child of God. Remember my mercy. See, this is what he wants us to remember about him. That's why I said the Old Testament is pertinent for all of us to read. It just shows you the character of God. And how he he continued to love those people of Israel. And how he's continuing to love you through Jesus Christ alone and him crucified. I see that. That tapestry, as I said. And and we should fall in love with that. In verse 5, it says of Deuteronomy 8, he says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. See, God says, Saint, I love you and I must discipline you. My love is shown, shown out to you be, as I'm correcting you. Isn't that what we do to our children? We wouldn't let our children run out into the street. We, we, we would gather and say, boy, c- or girl, come here. I'm going to discipline you so that you don't do it again. God says, I'm disciplining you to lead you into righteousness for my name's sake. That's what God wants to do. Remember my love, he's saying. And Jesus is saying the same thing God was telling the children of Israel. Jesus is talking to those disciples. He's talking to us. God was speaking to the children of Israel. Don't forget how I delivered you from my wrath. Don't forget that. See, when we remember that, we, we see how beautiful the Lord is and how gracious he's been to us. And so the Lord's Supper takes on a different meaning and tone. And so should your everyday life. That's why I said the Lord's Supper should move into how you do life with one another and with first and foremost with God himself. Oh, we we take him more seriously. The celebration is both somber and is full of joy, but it's connected to something there. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, right? So that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. Remember, child of God, where you were and who you were and the privilege that we have in Christ prior to you coming to him. Let me take you somewhere so that you can can remember that. 1 Corinthians Go to 1 Corinthians, if you will, with me. 1 Corinthians, this is one of my favorite scriptures. You know people say that all the time. This is one of my favorite scriptures, like the other portions aren't a favorite. I I don't even know how to word it now. This is is just goodness all throughout. The Bible is replete with God's glory and his promises and his, his strength to us, showing himself holy. And showing us how to get holy. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. This is in light of that, that third point to remember. It says this in verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Ponder on that. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Think about what you were prior to God calling you. You weren't that wise you didn't know a lot, but now when you're in Christ, he, in, he gives you the wisdom of God, which is more mightier than the world's wisdom. Isn't it beautiful now that you and I can see clearly now that we don't see the same way we used to see, that he's given us a wisdom and a clarity on life because of his grace? I love that about him among many things. We know how to make good decisions now. And we just, that, that in and of, its, of itself causes you to praise God. My wife and I were talking about decisions this morning. We say, praise God, we don't make those type of decisions anymore because God has redeemed us according to his word, given us the appetite and the ability to make different decisions. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. They, they They didn't consider us wise. Not many were powerful. We didn't have the the power of the world. Not many were of noble birth. I, I don't see anybody, I mean, maybe you were, or maybe somebody in here is born out of nobility. But I could speak for, I'm not. From the neighborhood, the inner city. You know. Not much. Listen to verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world, God considers what, what man considers foolishness, this thing called the gospel. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, those who think they are wise. God's wisdom is superior to the world's wisdom. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Remember who you weak, but made strong by the grace of God. Am I right on that? God chose what is low and despised in the world. Hmm. Even the things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. I love this. God is interested in his glory, he said that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God says, Remember this, remember who you were. That you, you didn't have nobility, you weren't strong in and of yourself, you had nothing to offer, but I saved you because of my grace and my mercy. I've called you to myself, now I've called you a priest and royalty now, isn't that amazing? I've made you actually something in him, not in and of myself. I told my son today he's he's playing basketball and you know how the basketball guys do it now. They like they make a three and they start doing this. And I mean, my son is last game. He makes a great shot and he goes like this. You guys, he makes a shot and then he goes like this while he's running down court. I get it. You know, I mean, you know, but I was trying to point something out to him. It's God who's giving you that ability to make the three shot, the three point shot. It's God who gives you the ability to cross somebody over. It's God who gives you all that you have. So give God the glory. So I said it might be better for you just to keep your mouth shut and just to go. Back. And I know it's hard to teach a 10 year old. So, I'm, see, you know, I'm fighting against the obstacles of the world. You, know, you see what I mean? They like, man, you better show it off when you make a shot at whatever you do. Isn't that the same with us? The world, when you get a new job, you better tell people you got that big job and that new car. You better tell somebody. And we're like, no, it all belongs. What I have is by the grace and glory of God. Life is fleeting. These things are temporary anyway. This world is fading away along with everything it craves, the Bible says. But if you do the will of God, you live forever. So we learn to give things away. And we learn to hold lightly to these monetary things. See, that's what I'm trying to teach him. He just doesn't know it yet. But I pray that he gets it so that when he becomes a, a man, he can look at those things and say, yeah, they OK, but Jesus is much better. Amen. They OK, but Jesus is if Jesus takes it all away, I'm OK, because he gave it to me in the first place and it wasn't mine to begin with. Amen. So this is what I want us to remember. I want us to ponder, as it says there in First Corinthians one twenty six, you're calling and then in verse 30, here's the climax of that. It says, and because of him, and this is, this is where we have to, to really to camp on it and say, oh, man, this is why this is so good. This is why I'm remembering. because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Oh, because of him, because of God, I'm in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That's a lot of theology right there. That could be a sermon in and of itself. But, but the gist or the point I'm trying to make is that through God's righteousness, right, his imputed righteousness to us, he's given us his righteousness. And now he's sanctifying us, meaning that he's making us more and more like Jesus Christ. Right. That's what he's doing. And, and, and the redemption belongs to him. He's redeemed us. He's purchased us back. We, we, weren't, we weren't a part of his calling. He said, I'm redeeming you. I'm coming after you. And see, those of you in here who don't know Jesus, this is, this is why we celebrate. I want those who don't know Christ to have the same celebratory mindset that I have because the reason why I have it is because of what God has done. So that is written in verse 31. So that as it is written, rather, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Remember, remember your calling. Remember. So that was all under remember. That was that third point. The last point is this. And this is such a hopeful sermon, I hope, to you. It, is, it was to me as I studied it. Um, the Lord's Supper provides hope. The Lord's Supper provides hope. Go back to Luke 22. And let's read verse 20. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Is the new covenant in my blood. So Christ replaces, if you will, he becomes the better covenant if you look at some other scriptures in hebrews and all over but let me share this with you church the cup represents what's needed for our forgiveness that's the hope the cup represents what's needed for our forgiveness child of god and this could be to those who are lost if you if you repent and turn child of god you and i have been set free from the bondage of sin because of what's in the cup His blood. Without it, there's no what? Forgiveness of sin. There's no remission. He's saying, listen, there's there's not a, a ton of lambs that need to be sacrificed anymore. I'm the perfect one. I have fulfilled that. Child of God, you've been set free from the bondage of sin. This is the hope. Christian, live your life free from guilt. That's the hope. Christian, live your life free from guilt. That's what the Lord provides for you right now. This is what the cup provides. Rejoice because the cup allows for a clear conscience. Oh, where your conscience used to be guilty and it it would accuse you? Oh, my God, that is a grace in and of itself that I walk around with freedom and liberty not to abuse God's grace but to glorify him and to tell others about it. I just wake up in God's grace because of him. My mind is just clear. I'm not looking over my shoulder because my sins, God has already forgiven them anyway when I do sin now and in the future. I'm just, I got such a clear conscience. I thought about that. I'm so saved, so redeemed because what He done, what he's done, and now I can live with this clarity of mind now. Clarity. Oh, it feels so good. I didn't even know grace could feel so good. It's not, even by, it's not about a feeling, but I do feel good that I can think clear. Because sometimes we don't feel a certain way. It's not about goosebumps and all that. But even in trials and affliction, there's clarity of mind. Because he says, I've provided my peace to you. I've provided my assurance that I've suffered. So I'm providing a way for you to be able to endure even when it's hard. That's clarity even in all things. That I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he's telling his disciples. I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving. I'm going away, but I'm providing something. The comforter will be with you. God is so good that I, I, I would be here for years trying to exhaust all of it. That's why I heard one of uh, the elders say, the preacher has an easy job because he just talks about Jesus all day. Even though it's much harder than that, trying to craft things, you know, get, get your thoughts in order. I'm like, I had to spend time. I'm like, oh, that don't make no sense. Delete. Thinking that that was deep, I was like, that's not, that's just not what it means. <laughs> so the Lord's Supper provides this hope and this clarity of conscience, like I made mention. Saints, no more working our way into God's acceptance. You don't have to muster it up on, you know, on the treadmill, doing what you got. They're like, okay, I want God to think good thoughts about me. He already does. It's in his son, Jesus. It's already in, it's in Christ. He he thinks well of you. There's nothing that you can do to cause his love to change for you. He accepts you based on what's in the cup, and the blood of Jesus, is in the cup removing every sin. Christian, we have been liberated. If you're not a Christian, receive this free gift of eternal life as I close out this morning. Because the Christian has been liberated, and I want those who don't know Jesus to be liberated. Because I know what this means. It means that now I have a right relationship with God and I'm not going to hell. That my name is now written in the Lamb's book of life and that is made available to all those who would repent and turn it to be with Him. Our celebration, like I said, is both joyous and it's serious. It's both of those. So, if you're not a Christian, receive the free gift of eternal life by repenting today in the quietness of your mind. Ask the Lord to forgive you so that all that I've discussed today can be yours. Jesus died for you. He died for you. Let us pray.